0: Oh, you better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you, come on, come on, Santa is coming to town, he knows when you are sleeping. He knows when you're away. Come on, where's your Christmas spirit? He knows when you've been bad or good. Oh, balcony, where are you? I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town. (laughs) Might have... Might have had the the bad Christmas sweater thing wrong and might have done a bad Christmas carol singing. (laughs) You know, we have fun with this song. I want you to think deeply about it, though. This song, you better watch out, you better not cry. Santa Claus is coming to town. This song is an announcement that Santa is coming. But it's an announcement of warning. Now think about it. Santa's coming, so... You better make yourself ready. Get the house ready. Get the lights ready. Get the tree down from the attic. Get the cookies and milk ready. But most of all, get your heart ready. Don't pout. Don't cry. Hey, He knows when you're sleeping and He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So get your heart ready. Santa is coming to town. This Christmas season, I want to teach a series of lessons on just that principle. The king is coming. Make yourself ready. Ready. If you look at the gospel accounts, the angel makes four announcements. The first is to Zacharias, and then to Mary, and then to Joseph, and then to the shepherds. And then we have another announcement God makes an announcement at Jesus' baptism. And I want us this Christmas season to focus on all of these announcements, these five announcements that the king. Is coming because if you pay careful attention, God makes it very clear who Jesus is. He's not just a babe in the manger, he's not just a man suffering on the cross. He is the King, he's the Messiah, he is God. Jesus is the seed promised to Eve. Genesis. Chapter 3, and the announcements make this very clear. The announcements make it clear that Jesus is the substitute penalty payer that was promised to Abraham in Genesis 21. The announcements make it very clear that Jesus is the prophet that was promised to Moses in Deuteronomy 18. They make it clear that He's the king promised to David in 2 Samuel 7. He's the one born of a virgin as proclaimed in Isaiah 7. He is the priest, Jesus is, that Jeremiah and Isaiah saw in Jeremiah 31 and Isaiah 53. Isaiah and Daniel saw the day when God Himself would take on flesh and give Himself as a sacrifice for the sins of all who submit to Him. These announcements say clearly Jesus is God. He is the King who will rule a kingdom that has no end. This morning, I just want to unpack a few elements of that first announcement that Jesus is coming. This first announcement is a warning to all of God's covenant people to make themselves ready. And I want to show you three changes that we need to make in order to prepare. For the king's arrival, as Zacharias shows—excuse me—as Gabriel shows up and announces the king's arrival to, to Zacharias, he tells Zacharias that his son is going to turn the hearts of God's covenant people back to God, and there are three changes that we must make in order to prepare. For the king's arrival, we need to make a change in direction, a change in desire, and just generally a change in submission. I'm going to unpack two of these changes, a change in desire and a change in direction. First is a change in direction. Church, I want to remind us, we need a change in direction. Christmas is a reminder of that. Look with me at Luke chapter 1. He will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at His birth for He will be great before the Lord and He must not drink wine or strong drink and He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from His mother's womb and He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God. I want you to focus on that last phrase. We need a change in direction. And I want you you to see in this passage what Gabriel tells Zechariah is that we must agree with God about His will. We need to agree with God about how He designed us to live in relationship with Him, about how um, we, we, we think about Him. We need to agree with God how He designed us to use our words in order to honor Him. And we need to agree with God about how He designed us to do what builds His kingdom. And in this story, the prophet Amos uh, beforehand had prophesied that God would be silent for 400 years, that there would be a famine, not of uh, food or drink, but a famine from hearing the words of the Lord. And so when the, the angel Gabriel breaks the 400 years of silence, Zechariah uh, Zacharias is, is the, the priest, is a priest who's refilling the bowls of incense in the temple. Now, the bowls of incense represent the prayers of the people before God. Gabriel comes to this priest who is blameless before the Lord, meaning he is attempting to obey all of the Lord's instructions with a sincere heart. And he says, your prayers have been answered. Those are good words, aren't they? The angel Gabriel tells Zacharias that God is giving him a son. And that son's going to be John the Baptist. You know, I'll never forget Scott Steele playing the role of John the Baptist in one of our plays. He had this amazing line. He said, uh, uh, the axe has been raised and God's wrath is like a winnowing fire. You can do it better, won't you? How'd, you, how'd it go? Oh, yeah, that's it. Was, it was an amazing performance. When I think of John the Baptist, I always see Scott Steele standing up here, waving his arms and saying, Window and fire! Gabriel says, Your son is going to be named John. John is the one that God promised during the days of the prophet Malachi. And John is going to be like the prophet Elijah. He's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit from the point of conception. And he's going to prepare the king's people for the arrival of the king. Now, I want you to focus on what Gabriel tells Zacharias, what John the Baptist will do. And by the way, uh, this man is is either Zechariah, Zechariah, or Zacharias, right? If you go by either any of the three names, you're, you're talking about the same guy here. But here's what Gabriel tells him what John the Baptist is going to do. He says he'll turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Now, this is important. I want you to see this because when John the Baptist starts his ministry, he begins preaching a very simple message, and that message is this, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. And the word repent literally means to change your thinking, to turn from your sins, to turn away from your sins toward God. Change your thinking. Now the word repent means to change. Change your thinking. And it's a specific change. John's plea to the people when he begins his ministry, was that they change their thinking or repent so that they would turn to the Lord your God. And the first change they needed was a change of direction. Now, it's a very simple explanation of this to, to show us what is going on in Scripture and what this announcement is doing in significance. So, if we start with the word sin, the word sin just simply means. Anything that disagrees with the will of God, right? That's just a simple definition. If it disagrees with the will of God, it is a sin. We sin against God in the way that we think about Him, the way we speak about Him, and the way we act toward Him. We're sinners. We sin in the way we think. We sin in the way we speak. We sin in the way we act. Amen or O me? That's an O me. It's an amen, I agree, but it's an oh me, it's true, right? Scripture says of us, there's not one person who has ever lived or ever will live that does not sin in those three ways. We sin against God, we think wrongly, we speak wrongly, and we act wrongly. And the the word sin literally means to miss the mark. And when John the Baptist is going to come and say, "Repent, change your thinking, turn from your sin toward God." This is a a very simple illustration, and it's the message that if you are missing the mark, you need to change your direction. So, if you could imagine that uh, that over here uh, is a bullseye, and I draw my my bow, and I'm not an archer. So, you know, if you are an archer forgive my, my form, um, but, but, uh, but uh, I, if I draw my bow toward the target, the chances are I'm going to hit the mark, the target. What the Scripture is telling us is that we all sin. We all sin in the way that we think about God or the way that we think about ourselves or the way that we think about the world or the way that we think about reality or the way we think about the way we think, we sin, we miss the mark. Scripture says that we also sin in the way that we speak. We say things that are untrue about everything under the sun. Amen or oh Scripture says that we also sin, we miss the mark in the way that we act. We do things that simply do not build the kingdom of God. And anything we do that is not building the kingdom of God is not aimed toward the mark. It's missing the mark. You sin in one of those areas, you miss the mark a little bit. You sin in two of those areas, you miss the mark a lot. If you sin in all three of those areas, and scripture, by the way, says that all of us sin in all three areas. You're missing the mark by a complete 180 degrees. The Bible tells us that we are headed in the opposite direction that God designed us to walk in. We are sinners. We miss the mark. If you're thinking wrongly about Jesus, if you're speaking wrongly, If you're acting wrongly, you need to change your direction. The angel is telling Zacharias, look, your son is going to turn the hearts of God's covenant people back toward him. When John begins his ministry, he says, change directions, repent. I like to ask folks the question Is your belief in Jesus just a set of religious opinions? Or does your belief in Jesus cause you to reorder your life so that you are attempting to obey Him? That is a piercing question. Christmas is a reminder, church. The King has already come and He has promised that He is coming again. The King is coming. We need a change in direction. This Christmas season, there are many who are lost. They have never recognize that Jesus is king. Therefore, they've never bowed the knee to King Jesus. And they are truly missing the mark. There are many of us who have bowed the knee to Jesus, but we continue to struggle in this body of sin. We continue to long to aim in different directions. Christmas is a reminder every year that we need to repent. We need a change in direction. Say amen if you're with me. All right, let's go on to the second change that we need. This first announcement announces the need for this change. We need a change in direction and we need a change in desire. Look with me at Luke 1:17. Gabriel is continuing to tell Zechariah what John the Baptist is going to do. He says, and he, John the Baptist, will go before him, that's Jesus the King, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. I want you to pay attention to this phrase, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. And I want you to really focus there. I want to, unpack that I want us to truly understand this why God's people when Jesus came the first time needed to repent why they needed to change their desire but first I want you to watch this this video and this video has sound um, and uh, even if it takes you a second to turn it up hey I am a master at burning time Looks like I'll need to burn some time, and without, uh, without giving you any further warning, watch this video.
1: All across northern Japan, they felt it a violent magnitude 9.0 earthquake on March 11, 2011. It was centered about 80 miles offshore, and tsunami warnings went up immediately. In coastal cities, people knew what to do next, run to higher ground. It's by these vantage points on hills and in tall buildings that incredible footage was captured. In Kesanuma, people retreated to a high rise rooftop and could only watch in horror as tsunami waves inundated their city, knocking buildings into rubble and mixing into a kind of tsunami soup filled with vehicles, building parts, and content. Seawater cascaded over sea walls and in the cities. This video shows the water rushing over an 18 foot seawall into Kamaishi City. The seawall here was the world's deepest and largest, but not enough for the magnitude of the March 11 disaster. It was the largest quake ever known in Japan and one of the five largest recorded in the world. More than 28,000 people are confirmed.
0: Showed it at the very end. I don't know if you caught it, but there was a whole building. In fact, there were two of them. That the strength of this water was just carrying away. The devastation in that imagery is—it's—it's all inspiring. When the earthquake happened, when it occurred there was a tsunami alarm that went off. And that alarm proclaimed the announcement, the water's coming. Get ready. The guy narrating the, the video, by the way, that was from the History Channel. I'll give them credit for that. The guy narrating the, the video said that everybody knew what to do. Move to higher ground. I'm glad they didn't show any pictures of those who did not heed the warning. But they did list a death count. Now there's a difference in someone who doesn't pay attention to the alarm, who ignores the alarm, who doesn't understand the alarm, who doesn't obey the alarm and the person who pays close attention to the alarm, who believes the alarm, and who takes action when the alarm is sounded. Church, I want to remind you this morning, Christmas is a reminder, it is an alarm, that we need a change in direction, but we also need a change in desire. I ask you this morning, do you desire to prepare this generation and the next generation for coming judgment? Christmas is a reminder that Jesus came already to make a way for us to escape judgment. Died on the cross to forgive us of our sins so that we would have a way to be forgiven of our sin. He rose from the grave to prove that He is God and prove that the judgment day that He has told us about is real. And He has promised that He will return on an appointed day as the judge of heaven and earth. He has all authority uh, that that can be given and He will judge all people who have ever lived according to their faith in Him. Christmas is that reminder that Jesus has come and when He came the first time, He prepared a way for us to be able to hear the alarm. (laughs) A way for us to be able to obey the instructions in the alarm when he returns, he promises to administer the judgment. I simply want to remind you this Christmas season, the king is coming. We need to get ready. I want you to understand what Gabriel is telling Zacharias. But here's the thing, and this is why we study the Bible the way we do at our church. If you're a visitor here, I just want you to know if God stirs your heart to join our church, we promote every, uh, we promote and encourage that every member of our church is reading through or listening through the entire Bible over and over and over until Jesus returns. Now, here's an example of why we don't just study the Bible in little bits and pieces and hope that one day 20 years in the future, we get to the whole thing. The reason is you can't understand Luke 1.17 unless you have read and understood the entire prophecy of Malachi. Now, through the prophet Malachi, God tells His people that they have sinned against Him. And when Malachi preached, he's preaching God's words. And God is saying to the people, because they have sinned and broken his covenant, God is coming to judge them. It's a warning. It's an announcement. Malachi is doing for God's people exactly what Gabriel is doing for Zacharias and what John the Baptist is going to do for God's people. God is telling them, you need to repent. You need to change directions and you need to change desires. Well, Malachi tells them, uh, God tells them through Malachi how they have sinned. And if you go through the prophecy of Malachi, here's what Malachi tells the people. They They have sinned in several ways. They're not making the sacrifices that God required for the forgiveness of sin under the Old Covenant. The priests, the preachers, are not preaching the Word of God, but instead they're tickling the ears of the people. And ultimately, they're leading the people to disobey God. That God tells the people through Malachi that they're not honoring God's desire for marriage. They're celebrating dysfunction in homes and men specifically are not dedicated to their families. The prophet Malachi tells them as God instructs him, they are saying things like this. They're saying that evil things are good and good things are evil. Does that remind you of a generation? And they're not giving their offerings to the work of the kingdom. Instead, they're spending their wealth on themselves. Now, because of their sin, by the way, I just overviewed the book of Malachi for you. But because of their sin, God tells them that the king is going to come for judgment. However, before King Jesus comes, God tells them through the prophet Malachi that he's going to send a prophet first, John the Baptist. Malachi chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, just keep uh, this uh, verse up there. When God sends this prophet, in Malachi 4, verse 6, it says, And he, this prophet, will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. You see what the angel Gabriel is doing for Zacharias he's simply repeating the prophecy of Malachi and God is saying that this prophet who comes before the Messiah in order to prepare God's people will help God's people change not just their direction but their desire in Luke chapter 1 Gabriel is telling Zacharias that his son, John the Baptist, is going to change that desire and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. In other words, through John the Baptist's preaching, the people will repent. And when they change their direction and they change their desire, they will change from dysfunctional families where the fathers could care less whether they're hitting the mark or whether the next generation is hitting the mark. In fact, dysfunctional families who are teaching their children to miss the mark. They're going to change from dysfunctional families who do not care what the Lord commands to families who are committed and resilient and have zealousness and have desire and who have a singular purpose and a highest priority to obey the word of the Lord. Malachi said this is what God says before the king comes I'm going to send my prophet and he's going to change your family dysfunction so that you're ready when the king comes because you have to be ready when the King comes. This morning, I want to remind you that Christmas is that reminder to us. The King is coming. We have to be ready. Is your family dysfunctional? And by this, I mean, is your family committed to helping each other obey Jesus? Is this your primary desire? If not, we need a change of desire. Hey, I don't know about you, but often I find myself not aiming at the mark, but instead missing. What that tells me is that I don't desire to hit the mark. And so in repenting, I've got to change my desire. And then I've got to aim at the mark. In closing, I want you to look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Jesus had this mind. Though He was in the form of God, He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but He emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's his king. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want you to think about your king this morning morning and all Christmas season. Oh yeah, let's have fun with the baby in a manger. Let's, let's have fun with all of the things that go with the season. But don't only think of Jesus as a baby in a manger or a man suffering on a cross. One day, every person on this earth and who, under this earth will bow the knee and submit to To King Jesus. The reminder that all of us will get busy doing the business of telling everybody on the earth. That we need to bow the knee before he gets here. Christmas is a reminder that Jesus came in the manger so that we would be ready when he returns as king. And he is a great king. He's so much better than Santa Claus. All the kings of this earth gain citizens of their kingdoms by conquering in order to benefit themselves at a cost to the people who follow. Our king King Jesus gains citizens of His kingdom by humbling Himself, by being born as a man and lying in a manger, being executed on the cross. Church, Jesus gains citizens of His kingdom at a cost to Himself for the benefit of those who are willing to bow the knee to Him. And He only asks that we repent. He only asks that we change our direction. He only asks that we change our desire and that we bow the knee, submitting to him as king before he arrives. That's all he asks. Christmas every year gives us a chance to remember that, to hit the reset button in our own hearts, to realign, and then to tell others to do the same this season when you say Merry Christmas, say it with that message. Because you better watch out. You better not defy. You better not doubt. I'm telling you why. Jesus King is coming. One day pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word and we ask Lord that you would continue to help us understand what you have said about yourself, what you have said about us how you have warned us and made that announcement in grace and in encouragement and in joy and Father continue to shape us according to your will so that we might not continue to strive against you in the opposite direction that we might Desire to walk in your direction. Lord, we we praise you that in our church we get to see, witness people who have bowed their knee to you over and over. And I thank you, Father, that this morning you allow us to participate with the Taylors. Lord, thank you for Olivia, for the the ministry that she's already had and the encouragement that she's already given. I pray that you would strengthen her and grow her um, in Christ, that she is a bold proclaimer of the message that you have sent us out to proclaim I pray Father that you would allow us to enjoy over and over the incredible celebration when someone who is missing the mark decides to bow the knee and because of your grace because of the work you've done on the cross they end up hitting the target Lord would you wish us a Merry Christmas Pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, I ask you to stand and sing in response to God's word. If you need to be saved, come forward now and we can help you. If you need to join Slayton Baptist Church and get into commitment with us as we build the kingdom, come forward now and, and let's get that done. If you need to pray for any reason, the altar is open. In a moment, after we sing just a little, we will take the Lord's Supper together and respond in that way.